Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Moving over to Luke chapter 10, we'll start in verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And the man answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. As we dive into the scriptures together this morning as a community, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift to read your word together in community. We thank you that as imperfect as we are, you love us. We thank you that no matter how much we might think right now in this moment that we don't belong in this space, you declare that we do. We thank you that this morning there is no eloquent talk that could match the glory of your gospel. So we just ask that you to have your way. Holy Spirit, would you come? Do whatever you want. We love you. It's in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Fallen in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. What if that's what we were known for? What if the gathered church that sweeps across the whole world was falling in love with Jesus day by day? If you follow Jesus in here this morning, why do you follow Jesus? Is it for Jesus? The end of following Jesus is Jesus. It is not a means to an end. He is the end. He is the treasure in the field that we sell everything to have. It's Jesus. The pearl of great price that we get rid of everything to behold. It's Jesus. And yes, following Jesus will produce fruit in our lives. He in fact promises it will. It will lead us to flourishing and come alive in his kingdom. That peace and joy will righteousness will ring out of our lives and be used for the glory of the Father. But in the end... The reward is Jesus himself. If you're a prayer in here this morning, why do you pray? Is it to be with him? Know him and be known by him. Caught up in love, loving you. And caught up in you, loving him. Adoration in the light. Or are you a lot like me? Lay your requests before him and then just move on with the day. And yes, Jesus desires we offer our pleas, cry out for help, rescue, mercy, and healing, that we can come to the God who loves us with anything and everything, and he promises every single time to hear us, to be present to us, completely and totally present to us. Oh, how our God loves to hear from us, that we might share our struggle or our desire, our sorrow or our celebration. But in the end, prayer, the reward is Jesus himself. If you're a worshiper near this morning, if, if you like worship through song, why do you worship? Is it to evoke a feeling and an emotion? Or is it the only outcry of your heart to express love for the living God who absolutely loves you? 
come, follow me. Those are the words of Jesus. Repent and believe in the gospel. Those are the words of Jesus. Live by the Spirit. Stay in step with the Spirit. That's what we talked about this last Sunday. All of it is so that we might love Him. Love the Lord our God with all our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. All of it is so that we might fall more and more in love with Jesus. You and I, we make much of following Jesus in our day and age a means to an end. But if we don't enjoy Jesus now, prioritize his presence being the driving force of our lives now, adoration and love for him now, why would we think we'd enjoy him forever? That's the passage that we just read. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Isn't that us a lot of the time? What must I do to get to heaven? What is the minimum requirement to get on this eternal life? And Jesus, he's so gracious and loving, he responds. But the question asked is the wrong one. We know that by way of Jesus' answer. The man asks about eternal life. Jesus responds with what that life looks like. With what that life is. With what that life means. Love. Love for the living God. That's the Deuteronomy passage we read. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Love in all of our normal moments for our Lord and God. How do I get the eternal life? The man says to test Jesus. Love me is the reply of Jesus. Could it be that we as the body of Christ have drifted from love into belief. James says, you believe in God? Great! Even the demons believe. Belief and love are two very different things. I believe in baseball. But I think baseball is the silliest sport on the planet. (laughs) I believe in cats. You already know how I feel about that. Love. Love is what possessed the early followers of Jesus. Could it be that the greatest issue facing humanity right now, could it be that the greatest issue facing the local church, the the body of Christ, isn't really love for each other, but love for Jesus? A lot of times we're found saying things like, man, the world needs to be more loving. If we could just muster up some more love, then all the wrongs would be righted. And yes, you and I, we do need to be more loving, all of us. But what if more accurately what we need is love for Jesus? To fall in love with Christ and all that he is for us. To fall in love with Jesus and all that he has done for us. To fall in love with our God and all that he is doing for us. To come to a place of deep love for Jesus that is not based off of anything else other than who he is. Now the great part, Salvation is not based on our love for Jesus, but his love for us. And as we have faith in him, by grace we are offered forgiveness of sin and life forevermore with the Heavenly Father. We are saved not off of our love, but of his. But that very truth, it should spur us into love. 
It should spur our hearts into love. And if there is no evidence of love in our lives, maybe we should begin to question if we actually know him. That's 1 John chapter 4. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. I mean, if the passage that we just read says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And the man answers, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And Jesus says, Yes! Boom down! Yes! Do that and you will live! Don't we want that? To live. Not just to be alive and let life happen to us, but rather to live. To experience the life that is truly life. The life Jesus has for us, the love Jesus has for us in lives marked with love for him. I think our biggest hang up though is, do you think it will make a difference? Do we think loving Jesus will make a difference in our lives? Do we think falling more in love with Jesus will make a difference on our family, on our community, our church, this city, and this world? Jesus seemed to think so. As did the early church, so does the Holy Spirit and the Heavenly Father. And the entire narrative of Scripture suggests so as well. Do this and you will live, Jesus says. Do what exactly? Love me. Love me first and most out of anyone and everything in this life. I commonly go, ah, that's a tall order, Jesus. I mean, my goodness, above everything? But are we sure about that? Like, is it really that tall of an order? Is it really that far-fetched as we claim it to be? If the gospel changes everything and we have come alive in it, shouldn't our love solely be placed upon the one whom the gospel depends? Jesus. That's Paul in Philippians chapter 3. He says to the church, listen to this translation to it. It'll be on the Sky Bible as well. We are those who boast in what Christ Jesus has done and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. It's true that I once relied on all that I had become. I had reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments more than any others, for my pedigree was impeccable. And listen to Paul's pedigree. I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel as the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. I was set apart eight days after birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living separated and devout as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I was without peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted the way of Jesus with religious zeal. Yet all the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them. And I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know, love him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now. I love that. So that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. My passion is to be consumed with him and not to cling to my own righteousness based on keeping the written law. My only righteousness 
will be his. Based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. The very righteousness that comes from God. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. How good is that? How real is that? Paul would say it another way, according to the scriptures, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Later, Paul would say, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Has made me his own. Love for God is not, oh man, I got to muster it up and try to love him more. No. It's the response of someone who is a long way off. And then the Savior drew him near and saved them. Love for Jesus, it's the natural response when we have awareness of the gospel. Love, deep love is the natural response from someone who is aware of just how lost we were without him, aware of his cross for us and the invitation of his life in us. It's all grace. In our sin, in my sin, in our failures, in my failures, today, tomorrow, next week, we're met with grace. It's not works or legalism or wasteful religious junk. We don't muster up love. We don't earn or strive. It's it's not moral self-improvement methods to make us love God or love people. No. But in that grace, as we follow Jesus, our hearts should start to fall in love with him. This grace, mercy, and new life found in the gospel should form us into people who love God. And yes, absolutely love other people. But I think at least for the moment, we got to pause on the love God part. For the response of the gospel should be love for Jesus. And I know this morning that that might sound so simple to our ears. But do we embody it in our heart? Do we live it with our lives? Do we sound like Paul in that passage? Do we look like the pages of Scripture and the people who had their lives transformed by the love of the living God? Not living the Christian life, but rather in love with Jesus. Paul, remember, he wrote all those letters from prison. He suffered for years in prison, but not for the sake of religion, but because he loved Jesus. Simon Peter, the history books, It records that he got crucified on a cross, supposedly upside down, because he said he wasn't worthy to die the same way in which his Lord Jesus did. But he didn't get crucified on a cross, supposedly upside down, for the sake of a religion. He did because he loved Jesus. Countless people were fed to lions. Countless people were persecuted. Countless people of the way of Jesus got killed. Not because of a religion or for the sake of a worldview, but because they loved Jesus. Mary Magdalene, remember, she goes to the tomb and she weeps and she stands outside it and she turns to who she thinks is the gardener and she says, if you know where his body is, tell me where it is so that I may go and take care of it. Not for the sake of some religion, but because she loved Jesus. And remember, it was only revealed to her that Jesus was risen and alive again by the voice of perfect love calling her name. Or John, John, 
The Last Supper, he leans back against Jesus. He feels Jesus breathe, the spirit of Jesus inside of him. Could you imagine that? In John, he's not invited to the table by the merit of his own. Now Jesus just looked at him and said, come and follow me. And John at the table leans back against the chest of Jesus because he loves Jesus. And he knows the love of Jesus for him. It wasn't some silly religious game. They were mocked in the marketplace. Almost all of them were beaten, ridiculed, and a lot of them got killed. Praise God that that's not our daily moment. But they endured. Not for religion, but because they loved Jesus. They planted churches, preached sermons, helped strangers, healed people, signs and wonders. They worked ordinary jobs doing ordinary things, but all of it was done in love for Jesus. Love for Jesus was enough. They weren't enamored with good works. They weren't enamored with church growth. They weren't enamored with getting more people into a building. They weren't enamored with what their right aesthetic might be. They weren't enamored if the worship music that Sunday was their particular liking. They weren't enamored with anything else. It was love for Jesus. They deeply loved Jesus, and it changed everything about them. And it changed everything about the known world. David, he loved the Lord his God. Moses, he loved the Lord God so much that he said, I don't want the promised land if I can't have your presence. Joshua, the scripture record, loved the Lord God so much that he just wanted to linger in his presence. How do I get eternal life? How do I live the life that is truly life? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Do we think it'll make a difference? Do we think it'll make a difference if we fall in love with Jesus? Jesus seemed to think so. So did the early church. So does the Holy Spirit and the Heavenly Father. And the entire narrative of Scripture points us to it. But this morning, before we get down on ourselves or wonder how we muster up this love, before we make this all about us, remember it's all about Him. His love for us is the only way we have any capacity to love Him. My friend Luke, Stad, he says, all this must be rooted in 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. Our response of showing our love to God must be through the crossroad of divine revelation of God's positional love towards us and the action of that love is seen in Christ Jesus. That from the very beginning, God has only and always and ever loved us, delighted in us, wanted us with him. Do you know that this morning? But then there was action to that love. Jesus, he comes for us. By way of his cross and resurrection, we are invited into his life. So our response, our love for him, is simply just out of the overflow of his love for us. But I hear you. How do we fall in love with Jesus? Or how do we stay in love with Jesus? If it's awareness of the gospel, how does awareness of the gospel make its way into our lives in every common moment? How do we actually embody it? How do we live in love for Jesus? Well, for the past few weeks, we've been talking together of who enables us to do that. The Holy Spirit. The Bible says God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit fills us that we might remain in the love of God. What if one of the main things the Holy Spirit wants to do in us is remind us of the love of the living God? 
So many of us live lives in such a rush because it allows us to believe that we're going somewhere. But friends, what if we were just present to his presence? What if we were just present to him loving us and present to our love for him? That's the life that is truly life. The Holy Spirit in you is how you and I are daily reminded of whose we are, who we are gathered around and getting all of our life from. That the Spirit fills us not by our own merit, but by Jesus. And in Jesus, we are the beloved of the Heavenly Father. I don't want my Christian life anymore to be about being entertained. I want it to be about love. I don't want hype or striving or effort. I want simple gospel carried along by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That must be why Jesus says to us in John 14, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Or how two chapters later in John 16, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Bringing our, to our remembrance all that Jesus has taught us? Love it. The Holy Spirit teaching us all things and leading us into holiness by becoming people of love? Sure. Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin? Oh. How does that lead us into love? How does that lead the world into love? I never enjoyed once conviction. But that's because we confuse conviction with made to feel guilty, made to feel ashamed. And our God, he would never make us feel guilty or ashamed. No, conviction in this context by the power of the Holy Spirit means to lead us into truth. Lead us into the truth that we all need a Savior. And that every time we turn, we are met with love, grace, and mercy. That as we live into the Spirit, He makes us more and more aware of our sin. And it leads us further and further into the Gospel. Awareness of sin, turning to Jesus, and every time undone by His love for us. And as we become more undone by His love for us, we fall more in love with Him. You ever read Chronicles of Narnia before? There's a moment when Reepicheep, what a name. He's a small mouse. He desires in the book to go further up and further into the land of Narnia. But in order to do so, the great lion, Aslan, Lewis' depiction of Jesus, he says to the little mouse, you must leave behind everything you've ever known to be true or thought to be real. That's us. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we leave everything behind that we thought was true life. For the life that is truly life found in Christ Jesus. Him loving us. And us being able again to love him. And that as we do that. As the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And we turn into love. We go further into the gospel. Never beyond it. Further into it. Until we discover its most basic and most simple form. God loving you. And you being able again to be found loving him. God loving you 
and us being able again to be found loving him. For a life lived in love with Jesus, it's a completely new life. That's Ephesians and Colossians. Put off the old self and put on the new self. In the new self given to us completely in through and by Jesus, his cross for us in the new self, we are to live lives in love with God. That you and I, he does all of the heavy lifting for us. That the Holy Spirit leads us into truth. He does it all. Because he knows that as he desires to not hold anything back from us, as he desires for us to live the life that is truly life, the Lord God knows that in order for us to do that, we must love him with all of our hearts. Falling in love with Jesus. What if that's what we were known for? What if that became our reality? Not efforts or striving, not emotion or fleeting feelings, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, becoming people of love. How do we live that out? In all of our practical moments? Jesus says to us, abide in me, and I in you. That love becomes our constant reality when we listen to the words of Jesus and abide in him. How? More on that next week. Let's pray together this morning. Lord God, we love you. We want to love you more. Would you help us right here and now, Holy Spirit, to become more and more aware of the gospel? Would you convict us, Holy Spirit, of the sin that we live in? And would you lead us into the truth that we need a Savior? That we cannot save ourselves, but that Jesus, you, you save us in great love and mercy and grace. Would you give us courage to live in the new self? To put away the old life? And to live into the new self, becoming a person of holiness and love? Transformed into more of your likeness? Would you lead us into being a community? that loves you, the Lord, our God, with all of our heart. Would you put in us the truth that that will change everything about us and everything about the people's lives that we come in contact with. Lead us in love for you, Jesus. We give you all the glory here and now. It's in your mighty name, all the beloved said, amen.